This episode of Back to Work is sponsored by MailChimp. Free for lists of up to 2,000 subscribers and 12,000 emails per month. They've got great templates you can customize or you can build your own. And if you're a blogger, you can set up an RSS newsletter to be published automatically. Sign-up forms, autoresponders, reports, they've got it all and it's a cinch to use. Just check them out at MailChimp.com. What is a piker? Um, a piker is, I think, is somebody. Oh, gosh, I hope that's not uh, anti-Semitic. I think it's. Uh, I think it's. Uh, it's somebody who's not. Let's see, a piker, according to the internet, is a gambler who makes only small bets. Uh, definition to a stingy or cautious person. I think of a piker. I first heard Leo use it one time. He I, Leo introduced me to so many awesome words. Um, a piker, I think, in the, in my context, means um, somebody who is not playing the same game as well as somebody else. Like, I'm not playing at your level on, on a lot of things. Like, my controllers aren't as good as your controllers. So I'm a piker when it comes to controllers. Oh, God. I got a serious... So you're talking about Captain Pike. Oh, no, no. I think you're thinking of that guy that was in the little uh, wheelchair thing. With the little uh, lights. Is that the guy? Yeah. You know the guy? And then he was the uh, the guy, the... No, wait. Now, does he, does he die in the movie? I don't want... The spoiler alert. Captain He's the Pike. guy who looks like... He looks like prune face, and he sits in that little chair with the light, right? Yeah, and it just... It, they don't even have it saying yes and no. It just, like, the light goes from green or red for him to say yes Yeah, or no. it's like RTD2, but with an old guy. What year was it supposed to take place in? The regular Star Trek, the original Star Trek? Uh, uh, the 20... Uh, you know what? <laughs> you know what? I, I heard Marco yesterday. I'm not going to go down this route. I'm not going to say anything controversial anymore. Just say no. I don't know. Star Trek seems like a good show. Poor guy. Poor guy. He's just trying to say stuff, you know? And uh, I love that, Marco. I stand by what I said. I think it was a great episode. I think you did a great job. I love that guy. Um, oh, we have so much to talk about, but I really... Have you talked much about your move yet? No, no. I don't talk Should about that. Should we avoid that? that? Should we avoid it? Okay, we'll avoid yeah, it. Whatever I, you want. I don't know how, well, you know, we don't get a chance to talk. I'm turning into one of your loser podcast friends and you know I, I don't get to talk to you about your life you know all i know is i know when you when you bang your finger mm-hmm. and I, I know when someone's invaded your home i know when you're really really very angry about glutens <laughs> and that's that's about it speaking of which you know what i have for you know what i have for lunch you know what i had one of those apple things no no chickens all i eat i had um <laughs> I just ate three pieces of a fried bird. Excuse me, three fried pieces. I I just had KFC again. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I don't know, if if there is an afterlife and my daughter asked me about that, it was kind of awkward. But if there is, if it's run by chickens or ex-girlfriends, I'm going to be in a very, very bad way. I don't, and if they get together, if they, you know, like in Israel where you like have like, you got to have these, uh, you know, groups, if you want to get anything done, you, you know, it's not like Democrats and Republicans. I'm thinking chickens and ex-girlfriends could wreak some serious damage on me for eternity if they chose to. Cause I've caused them a lot of problems, Dan. Oh man. I had a friend named Richard. Remember Richard used to say he kind of hoped all his girlfriends would join the space program because that would really make it easier. I mean, not in a dangerous way. Not many more pilots. We should talk about priorities. Uh, How do you set priorities? So we're off on a off on a good foot already. Well, okay. So let's start the show. <clears throat> how's it going? Oh, it's going good, man. What's up? How are you? Hey, how's a good good week? Been a busy week for me over there on Briar. Yeah, two. You have had. It's been so busy. It's like I, mean, I know people probably think listening to your shows like all you do is talk about this, but. 
I, I, I imagine there are some people who think that because some people think everything. But I, it's just having these little exchanges with you about like what time to do something. Just these, I catch these little glances of how incredibly complex your life is right now, and they have no idea. It's ridiculous. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they don't need to worry about it. I, it's bad enough that I have to worry about it. They shouldn't, you're, I shouldn't you're a gentleman. They're, you're a gentleman. Relay I don't know that you, to I don't know you, But so far, so good. Do you, do you think, you say you don't mind country music. That's working out okay so far. Not, a, not as much of it here as you would think in, in Austin. It's sort of like a little oasis away from that. But you will find it in certain grocery stores. It's background music. Like if the background music, like anytime you would have heard Muzak, it's, here it's country. What kind of country? Like Keith Urban country, or I don't, like I don't no. know enough about it to know to be able to qualify, give mm. a qualified answer. It's I know that there is a Does little it sound bit more of like a, Lady Gaga or a farmer. Just more Gaga. Lady Gaga singing as a farmer. Okay, I, I could enjoy that. I'd pay ninety nine cents for that in a heartbeat. You it's, kidding me? It's not bad. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't like I thought it would bother me a lot more than it has. Hmm. I want to hoe you like the rose down on my farm. I think that's great. I have a trick on Pandora. I used to go to the Pandora Hank Williams station. Big mistake. If you go to the Hank Williams station, you get all that crappy, fake country music of the last 25 years. If you go to Hank Snow, the great uh, performer of I've been everywhere, man. The guy who sang that. He sang all those great songs. Um, yeah, I like Hank that. Snow, a famous guy. Just saying, if you're on Pandora and you enjoy the country music, you don't want to go like 100% like old school Carter family and you don't want the, you know, lightning rolls kind of stuff, punch in Hank Snow as an artist and you will get hours and hours of joyful country music. I think it's like reggae or, you know, like somebody touching your butt. Like you want it for a little while, but not all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I can't. I went to a reggae concert once and I, it was a reggae festival. It was outdoors. You know where it was? I'll tell you, Dan. Benjamin Janice, Janice Landing, that little place between buildings and St. Pete. Didn't she sing that song about parking lots? Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're thinking of Janice Ian. Janice Ian. Oh, She's didn't... the one who sang. Yeah. Oh. Or is that Ian Fleming? Peggy Fleming is the one who skated. And then Peggy Lipton was the one in the Mod Squad. Lipton uh, is the one that Don Meredith uh, sponsored them, I think. I think the Jar, uh, Jar- How do you say that? Darjeeling? Oh, Darjeeling, that... Uh, the that Twinings or Twinnings is better than the yeah. uh, other one. I just had Irish breakfast tea not too long ago. It was good. Huh. I, um, is that Protestant or Catholic? Oh, let's not get started. I, you know, I, I think my people are from the, uh, the South. You don't want to get those Northern people started. They Like Patriot <sighs> fans? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. My entire, my entire in-law family, it's all Patriot fans. They, they don't cry at funerals. They cry when the Pats lose. It's really weird. They're serious. Serious. I don't like yeah. Patriot. Yeah, my, I don't my, mind uh, the fans. I just don't like the team. Right, right. Like it's like consolidated. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so anyway, uh, like Janice Ian says, um, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. Yeah, a lot going on here, but mm-hmm. you know, we're the, the only way out is through. <laughs> For once, I was like, don't cut that out. Just leave that in. That's my favorite part. The um, the priorities. So yesterday, uh, how do you we, prioritize we, something? Hmm. Mm. Mm, mm. Uh, we asked. I told the nerds that I want to talk about priorities. So yeah, I'm putting this talk to get. You know, it's where is it for? What is the talk for? Talk. Well, it's just like I do talks, and and the priority thing keeps coming up so much. Uh, certainly, if you follow the the productivity racket, the prior the notion of priorities comes up a lot. And so I we talk about it on the show, right? Like it comes up fairly often. Yeah. But it really, really comes up a lot in real life. 
you go into an office, I'm just saying, as somebody who doesn't go to offices, like when I go into an office with real people, there's these certain terms that are suddenly, I, you just hear all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you're around programmers, they, they talk a certain way that you don't hear people talk about. Like outside, you know, of, the, outside of the room. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, and some of that I picked up. Like, like, like Marco yesterday. Like when you talk about, um, you know, programming against something. Like that's a term that only, program, that's mm, only programmers yeah. use that verb in, or that, um, what would that be in? Adverb? Uh, only use it in that way. Um, and priority is, I'm going to probably show my hand here, but when I go into in some kind of a, a professional environment, which is <laughs> very out of my element in, it's you just hear so much about priorities all the time. And I, I talk about it so much that I start to think, you know, gosh, am I making this up? Am I imagining that people talk about priorities this much? But it's, I don't know, has that been your experience? I feel like wherever I go, people are constantly talking about priorities. They have to prioritize things. They have to focus on priorities. And it becomes this din uh, where I think it's really worth talking about what that word means and, and what our different kind of... Uh, what it means to each of us. But I mean, first of all, does that make sense? Have you, is that a word you hear a lot? A lot. A lot. Where do you, where do you hear it? I heard it more when I was doing consulting work, freelance work or, or project work because everything is broken down to, to the fact that the prior, there's the differentiation between prioritization and priorities as action items or tasks. What are the priorities for today? What are the things that need to be accomplished? And, and that's in those environments that you're saying that's you that that's in your normal. head that's yeah, it's okay. normal. And it's it's weird because you think that a term like that it's so ambiguous and the way it's used is strange. And it nobody is very good at setting priorities. It seems in especially in the corporate world. <sighs> How do well, you prioritize things? We could spend three episodes just talking about. Well, we have to talk about this a little bit. I, I'm just going to say, I think it's a. I think it's a code word. Um, I think it's 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 either a, either a code word or it's a co- it's a word that means so many different things to so many different people that we lose track that most of us are using it in a way that is either not particularly useful or is actually, in my opinion, harmful. And I, I mean, I, I'll tell you why I think that is. But but just as an example, I mean, I have to tell you, I have to tell you a very fast anecdote, true story. Uh, one of those big companies, you know, that like whatever, you know, sent sent the giant size novelty check and brought me into for some reason brought me in to talk to them. I was actually this is a, seriously a true story. I've told this story before, but I said, my hand to God, this is true. It's a room full of VPs and SVPs. Um, it's the end of the day. I've been talking all day. I'm exhausted. I'm way out of my depth. You know, I mean, whatever. I can sit around with you guys and talk and, and some of you like it. But when I'm sitting there talking to people who went to Stanford and Harvard and whatever and make more than I'll make in my entire life, like, you know, in a year, it's, I'm sure I sound exactly as stupid as I am. And so I'm sitting there and I, I sound like the stupidest hippie in the entire world because they're sitting there talking about, remember, they brought me in to fix everybody's email, right? That's Merlin's email guy. You bring him in. Our problem is this email thing because everybody's – they're not doing enough email or they're doing it wrong. You know, it's, it's weird. So first of all, I, I've, from the very beginning, I try to sort of – in the nicest way I can, try to talk people out of that as the point of the trip because it's a – it's really – it's kind of – well, it's not kind of. It's extremely misguided. Long story short, it's the end of the day. I'm doing these talks. Everybody's happy, you know, to the extent they can be. But now we're at this point where it's like the rubber meets the road meeting. I'm in the room with all these really, really powerful people who's – I can't believe are spending their time to sit there at, you know, four o'clock with me and talk. But, 
and we're just kind of going over the day and talking about stuff. And it was, it was a really important day for me because I walked away with a lot of stuff that's been really um, influential in thinking about how teams work in particular. And I just, I just got my ass handed to me because people were like, what do you mean check email less? I mean, people are checking in. They're trying to look at their Blackberries under the table and ha ha. But seriously, the whole time, this whole meeting, it's like, I don't, you know, th- this whole like, you know, check email less thing or check email, you know, it's like, what are you, what are you saying? This is what we do, right? This is our job here is to sit here in this e- in these email programs and to talk to each other and do things like that's our job. And it certainly is to, to a certain extent. And of course, I made you know the, the mistake of trying to be clever, and I said, "Well, you know, you realize that if you're checking every five minutes, that's you know, twenty four thousand times a year. As an SVP, <laughs> you're, you're you're basically, and it's my understanding that a senior vice president is a fairly strategic position. Well, okay, well, so are you? How often do you need to change your strategy? Do you need four minute old information to change your strategy? Or is that, well, it's just a misunderstanding of how we work, rhubarb, rhubarb. Okay, okay, fine. I'm an idiot. Whatever. I'm from California and I'm stupid. Like, but <laughs> like, it seems a little crazy to me that if we took everybody in this room, that would be at least like half a million times you guys checked email last year, like not including weekends. And I wonder how many of those you feel like led to the best decisions that you made last year. So I already have lost most of the room. But, you know, this one guy, I thought this one guy was like loading a gun. I thought one guy was actually going to take me out. But this one woman, like she's beside herself. I mean, you know, her, her bag costs more than your house, right? right and right. She's, she said something to me that, was, that stuck with me. She, she was furious and said, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't have time to do all this stuff. We, you know, I don't want, want my team to just going off the map and going dark and following all these, these goofy things you want them to do. She says, I literally, I literally have 27 priorities right now. I have 27 high-priority projects that I'm working on right now, and I need to be up to date on what is happening with all of these at the same time. And... I just, I wasn't even, I wasn't even sure what to say. And this is not, I'm not making this up, Dan Benjamin. She said that she had 27 high priority projects or, or I think 27 priorities, 27 high priority projects, I think was the way she phrased it. I just remember sitting there like, you know, Inigo Montoya, you know, like. Mm-hmm. You kill my father, prepare to die. Six finger man. I do not think you know it. You keep using that word. <laughs> and, and there was something about that though, that like started, sort of unlocked something for me because this is a really, really, really smart person. And I mean, so with the couple years of insight in, in retrospect, I could say that I think what she meant was her life is now incredibly stressful because she feels like there's 27 things that she has to do right now simultaneously, right? There's 27 things that sort of people are expecting from her that are on her plate. I mean, I don't, I don't know what that even means. I don't know. I, I can't, I just, it's hard for me to really make complete sense out of that for myself, if I ever said that myself, I hope somebody would like hit me over the head with a pan because as, as, if that story seems a little bit funny now, I hope it seems really hilarious by the end of this episode because I want to talk about why I think that was crazy. So I don't know how you can have 27 levels of priority or 27 um, priorities on your plate even, high priority things. Um, but the fact that she said that and like I was the only person in the room who wanted to laugh said a lot. I said a lot. I said, well, so first of all, like, I guess everybody else was either agreeing with her tacitly or wondering if they should, if they should feel bad about only having 23 high priority projects. But. Well, so it me, sounded like almost like it's like a badge of honor, the number of priorities and high priority projects that you have. And now, well, I have 27, so I must be a pretty darn important person. Right. And they're all high priority. They're not just priorities. They're high priority. 
Right. I mean, if there could be a higher high and a redder red, a bolder bold, I mean, she would get a PO and, and buy it, I'm sure, <laughs> you know. But uh, that, that story, I think, is emblematic of a lot of what makes life uh, on a team complex. Um, because like I said, nobody, nobody else in there thought that was as bananas as I did because I guess that was business as usual. Um, I'm not sure exactly the best place to start. I'm going to start, I guess, with my article of faith, which is that a priority, and forgive me if you've heard this a thousand times, but this is, this is my stake in the ground, is that a priority is more than a good idea. It's, it's the one thing that's not allowed to die. And that, as I've, I've, I've cheekily said, the only way you can tell a, a task is high priority is if it's finished, as somebody reminded me in the comments. I think that's true. For, on a personal basis, for most of, most of us, the only way that I will be able to tell if you actually thought something was high priority was that you finished it. If it's not done, it's not really a priority in the true sense of the word to me. And I'm how, I'll take the heat for that. I'll take all the email like Marco does. But here's, here's, the, here's the thing. Um, what does that mean in practice? Well, what it means in practice is you define priority however you want in terms of if you, you want to think about your life, as David Allen says, your place on the planet. If you want to think about it in terms of what to do before lunch, what is your priority? That's all fine. My only note would be that whenever you do think of something of, of a priority, if you're not thinking about it in terms of what you're absolutely not doing in order to keep that thing a priority, um, then it's not really a priority. And then I think we should round back to all the ways that that can bite you in the ass because it sure can. Calling something a priority to yourself and then not treating it that way is really, really bad news for your productivity and really for your, for your soul. <laughs> but to me, the way I define a priority is, I said this in, in, the, in the comments, but this sounds really hippie, but if you, to me, um, a, a, a true priority is the product of care and sacrifice. Meaning, uh, if it's a priority, well, obviously it's something that you care about doing or care about keeping alive or whatever, however you want to put that. But the way you really tell something is a priority is about sacrifice. Like, what did you spend on it? You know, what did you, to, to use that number you read a lot in the Tao Te Ching, what are the 10,000 things that you didn't do in order to do this one thing? And that's what made that in particular. So you can agree or disagree with that definition. I think that works on a lot of levels. A priority is, or as I said on Twitter that time, the, you know, priorities are like arms where if you think you have more than two, you're either lying or crazy. Only you still only really have two. Because you can't have more than one or two, really. Otherwise, it's literally not a priority. It's something else. And then once you've, in my opinion, once you've allowed that in, we're probably getting a little ahead of ourselves, but uh, I, I just, I, I think that when we call something a priority and then everybody nods along, well, come back a month later and see if it's an even higher priority because it'll probably be an even higher priority, right? Like what, what happened to prove that that thing was a priority? And this, Dan, this gets us straight back to our interest in kind of like startup culture because in startup culture, you can't afford to call stuff a priority that isn't a priority. You can't have 27 priorities at a startup. What would happen? Well, none of them would get done. Right. What, what if you had five priorities? <laughs> you still wouldn't get any of yeah. them done. You have time for like one, you can do like one and a half things maybe at a startup, I think. I mean, I don't know, you tell me. But like if, if, if you had somebody sitting in these endless meetings talking about their 27 levels of priority and how nothing could move, well, there's so much to learn from that. Because if you think about it, in most startups or in the small kind of the sort of small businesses Marco was talking about, uh, you know, the one to five person shops that a lot of us are, would love to work at and some of us do, um, it really is about a constant amount of saying no. Think about your job as a manager or as an entrepreneur in some ways is to say no to great stuff all the time or to say maybe or to say later or to say kind of, 
right? It's that constant saying yes to things. Like if you've got something you consider a priority today and then you bump it for something else, how in the world can you still call that a priority? Well, if your definition of a priority is on this cosmic level where you'll get back to it later and that is you are actually doing that and feeling okay about it, then you're fine. My concern, and the, to me the functional component of this where we want to help the nerds, is, is when the things that we say are priorities don't get treated like priorities and when we get so many of them and aren't doing stuff to show that they're a priority, that's when I think it becomes dangerous. Do you know what I mean? Well, if you, think, if you think about your priorities as a, as a human being living in a, a less, less of a technological world, in a, in a, you know, if you imagine a, I guess, a, you see somebody living in a tribe, you know, somebody who is living in a, a more natural state, their priorities are pretty simple. You basically have two or three priorities in your whole life, really, uh, and not necessarily in this order. But you know, you need a shelter to live in. You need food and water, and right. uh, some basic clothes, and you know, whatever whatever things go to support those. It's very clear what you need at any given time. And of course, you know, you, you probably want to reproduce. But that's it. That's those are your basic priorities, and they don't really change that much over the, the course of your whole life. And today in an office situation, you've talked about this a lot when you talk about the difference between fear and anxiety. Uh, I was reading an article a while ago that I, I was just thinking about after our last show that was talking about all the anxiety that we feel because we almost have this displaced, I don't want to say need for anxiety, but we don't, we, we live in our worlds that are essentially without true fear. So we begin to displace it and we attribute fear and anxiety to situations that in real life there there's no real place for that because if if your boss comes in and says we got to have this thing done by the end of the week or we're all, you know we're going to lose this contract the reality is typically for most people that's not a life or death situation i mean you know losing a contract might be bad it might eventually lead to a layoff and and then you might be in trouble but the the direct kind of fear that you feel in that situation would be the same as if a bear just stuck its head in your cave and uh, no euphemism intended and right. the you know the the situation really is uh is completely different yet we feel because we don't have real dangers typically in our lives i mean we we start personifying them we and we throw the kind of fear and anxiety in that situation uh, that we would have if there was a lion running after us so you you begin to feel that kind of fear and that kind of anxiety in situations where it isn't really warranted and that goes back to one of our earlier shows i forget which mm-hmm. one where we were saying you know you're just like a guy in a room typing on a computer and nothing's really happening right. it's all happening in your brain and i i feel like that's connected to these priorities because we're not we don't have three or four basic priorities in our lives anymore, and that combined with this displaced fear and anxiety, it it changes our whole perspective, right? It does. It does, but I, I – and I, I don't disagree with a single thing that you're saying, but I think that to be – that's fine for Merlin Guy for a minute. Um, the thing is that you've, you've been <laughs> in an office. You know what this feels like, right? That is true. Um, I, I finally – I read my daughter um, – <laughs> when I was a kid, my mom used to read me these uh, fairy tales. We had this big, huge Reader's Digest fairy tales book. And even the Reader's Digest version from 1967, they're horrific. I, can, I can't read most of these fairy tales. They're just awful. <laughs> Jack the Beanstalk has to avenge his father and infant, <laughs> infant, infant brother's death. But <laughs> that's not the one I remember. But uh, I read of the emperor has no clothes, you know. And boy, you can sure ever use that as a metaphor. But in that room, 
when that lady said she had 27 levels of priority, do, do you think anybody in there wanted to, be the, wanted to be the one who pointed out the emperor was naked? Yeah, well, no, because right. some of those are things. They are, they do have ship dates. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is that it's contagious, like so contagious. Like you guys talked about viruses uh, the other day with, uh, with, with Gruber. I, yeah. I, I remember when I used to work in the uh, Mac lab at our school, circa 1987, 88, there was this one, I think it was called like something like the university virus or something. But there was this one where you seriously, if you just stuck your floppy in, like that was it. That's all you had to do. You you would always want to put your floppy in with the lock on. Otherwise, you would get it just for popping oh, yeah. it. In oh yeah. That kind of contagion, like that DVI jack um, hardware virus that went around Google. Right. All you have to do is plug it into this one broken thing everybody else has plugged it into, and, and it breaks. It's the same thing here. I think I think that um, the culture. I, I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think that's fake. I don't think it's totally fake fear. I don't think it's pure anxiety in the sense of like pathology. I think it's kind of corporate pathology that lets us get to the point where, where uh, somebody like me comes in. I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but some of the things I say are pretty true. And, and, and if you talk to people one-on-one, they'll go, yeah, that really is. A lot of the, lot of the stuff we're putting into this is because this guy got this one patent in 1984 that made the company and now we – or whatever, right? And now, now we have to go down any rabbit hole that he starts digging. You know, and so now I have all these resources. I have to move to that, and uh, you'll find the real story. The trouble is, you—I don't want to call it groupthink exactly, but in that room, I don't. You could call it fear, yeah. But yeah, you could definitely call it fear. But I, I see it as something a little. Merlin, there's a lot of fear in the corporate world. There's a lot of fear there. It's a, a very unhealthy environment. Well, it's there for a reason. What's I mean, the reason? It's, it's a corporation. If you want to go fix clocks, go somewhere. You know, if, if you want to, if you're going to be in the army, follow orders. And if you're going to be in a corporation, you better be ready to be scared of the things we tell you to be scared of. Otherwise, you know, go work at 37 Signals, you know, or whatever. You, you know what I mean? I think, I, I'm just saying, I don't think it's, I don't think it's something as simple. And believe me, I used to think it was. I just don't think it's anything near as simple as saying, hey, everybody stop being scared. If you think back to your days in those companies, you know, think about think about your friend who used to get the emails from that guy, right? And she'd get the heart palpitations, right? Right. I mean, that was a real that was a real thing. That was an alligator in her bathroom. Oh yeah. You know, and so I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just saying that trying to make it go away. Um, well, wow, that's in, in some ways it's like in the Brady Bunch, you know, and Cindy says uh, rust is all that holds Greg's car together. You know, I think I think inside these companies that fear. <laughs> Is is uh, it's a really important thing. There's a reason everybody's so bleary-eyed at Microsoft. They're really smart and they work really hard, and they'll, they're scared they won't get fired if they're not at their desk all the time, right? Um, to, but but as far as the, this priority thing, and uh, we should talk more about the fear. We should talk fear. We should have like fear corner. I think probably every show. But uh, no, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Dan. <laughs> that could be the name I, of the show. <laughs> fear, 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 fat, fear, and the fat man. <laughs> I think it, I think it was ABC. It was uh, it was Robert Conrad from from Canon. I, I mean, think it was fat, him. fat man and little boy. No, no, no. I think I think you're thinking of Roy Scheider. I was that the one with the bomb. Well, the bomb was in the shark's stomach. Oh, okay. And then what was Doctor Strange Love? That was where he rides the bomb. That's the Depeche Mode thing. You're I don't thinking, know. No, you're thinking of the nude bomb with uh, Maxwell Smart. Oh, right, ninety nine. Bar- Bar- and then uh, no, Barbara Feldman was not in that one. Is that correct? Barbara Streisand. No, no, no. That's that 4chan thing. Oh, right. Right, right. <sighs> I, uh, so priorities. Um, boy, there's, the, boy, you know what? It was crazy. So how do you, you prioritize want, things? 
It's crazy to try and do one show about this. One thing I also want to make sure to do is talk about what the nerd said, because the nerd said a bunch of good stuff in the comments. But let me, let me just try one quick taxonomical um, curveball here and just try to break this down just a tiny bit. Like what, you know, to, to, to make the obvious Raymond Carver. <laughs> the obvious Raymond Carver joke. <laughs> Capture that, please, John. <laughs> what we talk about when we talk about priorities. Uh, here's what I think people mean when they say priorities. I'm not reading this. Am I reading this? I don't think I have it in front of me. Oh, yeah, look at that. I do. But I'm not going to read it. Um, okay, so first of all, when people say priority, I think they most often mean something important, right? And that could be important to them. It could be important to somebody else. Right. So legitimately, when people say this is a priority, it means something that's important. I think they also mean it's something that this sounds subtle, but I think it's not. It's something that must be done. It's something I've got to do. I got to do this thing. Oh, this is a huge priority for me. I've really got to do this, right? Um, I'll, I'll give examples of these in a second, but I want to just blow through these. Um, I think it's a priority because it's something that's in my stack, right? It's stack, however you want to define it, right? Yeah. It's it's in your it's in your to do list, so therefore it is a priority. I put it in my high priority list, so now it's a this it's, it, it is here, which so consequently it is a priority. Um, now, to go a little Merlin on this, I think a lot of times when people say priority, they mean thing I feel really bad isn't done yet. Um, oh, my God. I, this, I was supposed to file this, and now I've got to make that a higher priority. Mm-hmm. Right? Now it's really high priority because i got to do it. It's important, but I haven't done it. Um, I think the, the, the sneaky part of this is that a lot of times, and this is straight like Dave and Allen, uh, getting things done kind of approach, but... You know, when I talked to him about procrastination, he talked about, you know, when you have to ask yourself, well, I think it was there. I can't remember. I'm getting like Gruber. I can't remember anything anymore. I don't know. But, but <laughs> ask yourself if this is something you're ever going to do because you might be this, this battleground for these two voices, one of which is saying, what is wrong with you? Go do the thing. This thing you've got to do, this priority. And there's this other part of you that you're simply not listening to or not acknowledging that says, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. How about this? You ever go to a conference and you get somebody's card and they seem really nice and you have a really good time and then you make that really bland arrangement that you'll get together or something? Mm, yeah. Maybe they email you. Maybe they don't. Whatever. But you're sitting there and you're staring at their card and you feel really bad about it because you really like them and they're really nice and maybe you haven't written it back or something like that. And so you prioritize it, right? And you make it a higher priority. You say, oh, I got to do this. And you put it on your list, right? And you say, well, now, oh my gosh, this has been here for so long. And even if you weren't looking at it every day, it was always there, right? <laughs> it was always there, even if you weren't really thinking about it. There was some little part, some little sector that was eaten, eaten up with that little bite, right? Somewhere in your brain, like, it's going, like, I got to do that thing with that guy. I got to feel really bad about that. And that's going to remind you of all these other people that you're not doing stuff with. Oh, my gosh, this is high priorities. I got I to prioritize all this stuff, right? I think that's a huge part of this. So when, she's, when, I, when I hear, and it doesn't matter if she's a woman, but when that, when that person said 27 levels, seven, 27 high priority tasks, there's a kind of keening desperation to that that I, I wonder if anybody else in the room heard. Because that, that sounded like a cry for help to me. Because so, I mean, today, the Merlin of today, who's used to not getting rehired, would say, hey, listen, like, think of it, uh, you know, I would ask her this way. I'd say, okay, so if you've got 27 priorities, I'm going to assume you misspoke. Let's say you have 10 priorities. <laughs> like, how many, did you do 10 things? To, did you not do 10 things today to make each of those 10 priorities move forward? Better still, did you do five things this month? This month, did you do five things to make each of those 10 priorities move forward? Did you, did you refuse other projects to make sure that those stayed priorities? 
Because that's the craziest one to me is I'll bet now she's got 60 priorities. I'll just bet you. I'll bet you. Because that's the problem, you know? If, if you, if you, so yeah, it's in your stack. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, you got to do it. Yeah, you feel bad about it. But if your response to that is to just keep pushing it up higher, and like I say, making it bolder, redder, bigger, then boy, that is making that problem so much worse. And, and this exercise that I'm working on for this talk is, you know, I'm going to ask people to sit there and then it's a little bit of a trick question, but yeah, write down what is what are your biggest priorities right now? Like if you we're lucky enough to get to leave this room right now and get to go back to work. Like, what's the thing you're most keyed up about that you'd love to get progress on today? <clears throat> and, you know, and I think people could, most people, if they could come up, people could probably come up with 27 things that they might consider a priority. Sure, why not? Well, then my question is, like, now think of five things for each one of those that you're willing to not do in order for that one priority. Like, what if you started thinking about, instead of thinking about priority as this one thing where you just throw this word around, what if you were only allowed to use the, pri the word priority when you were willfully, mindfully, purposefully not doing other things? Like, what five things did you say no to in order to do that one thing you called a priority? Mm. Because that, to me, is the key. It's the, you, it's the acknowledgement of scarcity on some level. You know, that's, if the joke isn't obvious here, the 27 levels of priority things, to me, that's, that, that is like, when you say prioritize, to me, that's like saying pregnantize or uniquify. <laughs> like, well, you, you can't, you, well, you pregnantize when a bit flips, a zero turns to a one, and now a lady's got a, a baby on the way, right? That's, you, you can't, I don't think, and I'm sure we'll get mail about this from all the OBGYNs. <laughs> so, insemination, uh, can you be like 26.7% pregnant and then like 26.9% pregnant? I think you're generally pregnant, right? Unique? You know what? It's unique or it's not. Well, you and I both abuse that word, but the word unique has a meaning. The word unique means this is one of a kind. It is one of a kind. You can't unique. It bothers you when I use that term. Um, no, no. Literally and unique, we both use incorrectly a lot and it's become part of our bit that we do. Literally. It's literally unique. <laughs> Josh, <laughs> that to me, and, and I, I got to say, I, I, I'm not great at this. I'm not great at this, dude. But like, this is so where I'm trying to go is to understand that prioritizing, especially um, at a tactical level, should be regarded as uniquifying and pregnantizing. That a priority is something that to me, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm jumping around so much, but the, uh, I, we tried to have a topic, so it's going to seem like jumping around. But the... Um, the, but to me, a priority is this is a thing that can't move, uh, or sh you know, when we say I don't even say shouldn't move. Like if it can move, it's not really a priority, right? One of the one of those great things that uh, David Allen says in GTD is never put anything, and I, I don't live by this, but it's so smart. Never put anything on your calendar that won't die if it doesn't happen on that day. So, you know, if you've ever known anybody, this is the classic, right? He gives this example, I think, specifically. But have you ever known people? I've done this. Like, you go, oh, listen, I'm going to call in sick on Tuesday, and I'm going to work on my novel for 12 hours. Or I'm going to finish my annual report over the next two days. And so you, you, you click with your mouse, and you drag the box across, like, several days, and you block out your time for, like, three days. Like, that, that, that is so bananas. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're saying you're making you're, you're making this almost impossible deal with yourself that nothing is going to happen in your life during those three days that could possibly mm -hmm. disrupt those things. D do you know what I mean? I do. And <laughs> I really do. No, I really do. And literally, literally, it's well, it's a unique problem. 
Or have you ever have you ever done the thing where you go? And so why am I telling you this? Well, because your calendar, it's like the calendar is the net right, for the tightrope that is your to-do list. You've got this to-do list where you put all this crap, you don't really think about it. I'm going to assume that you aren't familiar with GTD, but one of the great things in GTD is that you do get the sense of saying, hey, look, every one of these is really like a little contract. I'm not really going to put anything on this list. I can shuck and jive in my inbox all I want, right? The inbox has a purpose in something like, especially like in OmniFocus, uh, you should use the inbox in OmniFocus. I don't want people to think that just because I ha- talk about the Inbox Zero stuff, I'm saying don't use your inbox. The inbox is a great place, but the inbox inboxes mean this is a place uh, for decisions that haven't been made yet. That's what it means to me. So, you know, an inbox, an inbox of email is, is email you haven't made decisions about yet. Yeah, that's okay. I wouldn't keep them there if the secret is you're never going to make a decision. But in your inbox for your task list, someplace where you're doing like a mental sweep or like I say, the inbox in, in OmniFocus or whatever you use. I use OmniFocus, work with those guys. Uh, that's a great place to put stuff like, you know, Paris, the word Paris or retire, as David Allen would say. The thing is now you do need to break that down into projects and tasks. But for most of us, and I have, I have tons of posts about this, but, the, you know, there's a huge problem of, of, of mixing these sort of, you know, chickens and waffles kinds of things in a task list. You put a bunch of stuff in there, and so what happens? You get all, you have 400 things in there that are still kind of on your mind. You're not really doing anything about it, and you think then you got to do the priority stuff, right? So you go, oh, i got to prioritize this. And so you push it up higher, you make it bolder, you make it redder, you put it on a separate list. You get special paper, you get artisanal paper, you print it out, you make it really big, you put it over your desk, maybe you get a tattoo, I don't know. But when it fails on the task list, what do you do? Like, clearly, this is not getting done. I've moved this forward, I've put it on the new task list, I've put it on the refined task list, I've put it on the uber high priority final final number three task list. So, so what do you do if it hasn't happened on the task list? Obviously, you don't do it, it's high priority. So you put it on your <laughs> calendar. Have you done this? And you go yeah. at 8.30 tomorrow, from 8.30 till 8.40, you know what? From 8.30 to 9.30, I'm going to allow a whole hour. I'm going to do this thing. All right, so uh, there are so many anti-patterns in this, but we do it all the time. So you put it on your calendar, and now what happens? Well, at 8.20, you get a call about something. Uh, the alarm goes off while you're on the phone. You feel bad about it. Uh, you don't get back to it. That hour goes by, and you didn't do it. And now it's on your task list and it's on your calendar and it's not done. And now it's a deal you broke with yourself and now you feel kind of crummy about it. So now what do you do? You got to make it a higher priority because it's not done yet. It's got to be higher, right? I mean, this is, am, am I just doing a stand-up bit? No, or is this, this, is, this is the normal, I think, process for thinking for a lot of people. Right. And so if any of you are just sitting there twiddling your thumbs and playing with your, uh, you know, your Emacs profile or whatever, go look at some, some list of yours from a month or two ago or go look at stuff. Go look at the created date. In uh, whatever you use, if you use an electronic list, if you use a Moleskine, whatever, go pull up, go pull out an old notebook where you made lists and see if anything in there that you thought was a high priority six months ago is maybe still something you're thinking about. Go look at your, if you have something like, uh, you could do this as a perspective in OmniFocus. I do work with those guys. I don't mean to shill them, but they're so great. They should sponsor the show. What the F, Dan? Would you yeah, well, you, you've got an in with them, right? Ah, Ken Case guy, he's trouble. You don't want to get that guy mad. I think, yeah, I think he knows like- Big uh, guy? Oh, you kidding me? You've seen him? No, I never. Oh, he's an oak of a man. Ken Case. Why? You you guys would have trouble eating together. Can I just say? Strict vegan. He's he's good. He has a faith, and he um, you know, he's he's a, he's a good man, and he sings chorale. He's a really good singer too. Did you know that? No, I didn't. He's, I didn't know any. I've never met him. Yeah. You should fight him. I'm not a you fighter. Fight no, neither. See that? That's why it would be funny. <laughs> anyway, um. 
So how do you prioritize things? I love you so much. God, I love you. So you can use my name. Dan, I like the way you keep moving on track. Er... I think what you should do, go and go. Is that one of, our, one of our emails that we got? I love our emails. I switched over to HTML emails in Wufu, and I'm, I'm glad I did. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, they're really hard to read if you don't do them as HTML. Yeah. Here's, do this. Go to, uh, go to, go to OmniFocus and, or whatever you use. You should have this functionality in there if you have an excellent app. And go in and uh, go to all of your, uh, go to, uh, I'm going to go to Perspectives, All Items, and I'm going to say Sort By... Dun, 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 date added. I'm going to turn off grouping and I'm going to go, this is going to be so embarrassing. And I'm going to go all the way to the bottom. And I'm going to, actually, you know what? I'm going to group them by date added. Added more than a year ago. Oh my God. Get Ben's help with Squarespace transition. Uh, speaking work, Chris, Chris Walker at Pixar. Hey, Chris, you should have me back. Send mom these photos. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I haven't done in here. None of them are flagged, but do this. Go and sort your task list. Go find your task list by date added. Look for anything that's still alive in there. And I know you're going, well, I know I'm not going to do that. Well, why is it there, right? In my case, I'm looking at all this stuff. A lot of it's on hold. I need to just delete a lot of it. So is that what you do? Do you just go in? Because when you look at this stuff, these lists are crazy. And you say, I I feel like if I delete it, though, then then I'll forget it. Oh right. no! See, dude, I'm sorry. I got us a little off track. I'm just—I just think it's instructive because there's so many, so many folks out there. I mean, obviously, if I was this guy who's great at this, like Syracuse says, you wouldn't need me, right? I'm not great at this, and like the, we had that one show where we talked about how I killed like these dozens of projects that I just—yeah, you just said, oh, I deleted, you know, fifty well, I'll things tell you, today. I started to let go and let God because I have a lot. Personally, this is a little bit of a tips and tricks thing. I've got a lot of backup stuff in place. I'm not perfect at it. I don't, I cannot afford to incur the wrath of, of the backup gods, but, um, you know, but I do, I do also rotation. I do Dropbox. I do time machine. I do a whole bunch of little different things. And one of the things I do is I have, uh, my OmniFocus database set up to backup twice a day. But you know what? I act like it doesn't. I act like it's made out of ceramic. I act like it's this humble figurine of my life. And it's not, it's like at any point I could delete this entire thing and start over. And I, and if I wanted to, I could always roll back. Right. Is it is that to your point? Because like my problem is I go in here and I'm looking at stuff here from what's the, what's my oldest date created in here? I wonder. Shopping list. Start new account there. There's one I started. Yeah, May of 2008. I probably can go ahead and just let that go. Um, I did check my PO box that day, so I can go ahead and tick that off. Um. That stuff that you think is probably just about other people is maybe about you. Um, if you're using priorities at all, and I'm gonna again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just borrow this from David Allen again. I think I'm borrowing this from David Allen. Yeah. Here, I mean, here's your priorities. I mean, I call this the Buddhist priority system, right? It's like your hair is on fire or it's not. Um, and we should remind me to talk about Covey and urgency because that's important. But, uh, but you know, here seriously, you know what you know, you know what your priority is. Here's priorities. Your priorities, you're gonna do it or you're not. Or put more saliently, your priority system ideally should be you're doing it or it's done. Do you follow? Is that a subtle distinction? I don't think so, right? Because there's a lot of stuff that you think you're going to do, but you haven't done it, right? Yesterday's weather, if it was if it was 55 yesterday and 54 the day before that, it's not going to be 7,000 degrees tomorrow. Like if you check your velocity on this stuff. If you've got this pile of stuff, the answer is not to flag it and then make it bold, and then make it big. That is throwing gasoline on the fire, in my opinion. You, you keep asking me how, I pri- how to prioritize. Well, I guess we can get specific about that. 
Um, I guess I, I'm, I'm still a little bit hung up on this because I feel like a lot of people go, oh, that's not a problem. I don't know why you would listen to podcasts like this if you're great at stuff like that. But <laughs> that may be its own problem. But um, There are a lot of people who have a real hard time prioritizing things and who right. find it very easy to procrastinate. And let me just uh, throw something out. You typically you – t- you've – talked about your little you know office space that you have mm-hmm. uh you know some people will re- they require something like that they require a change of scenery they want to go work whether it's in a coffee shop or a little dedicated space or and some of that i think is a social thing especially for people who are what i guess you would call independent workers maybe they're part of a team and the team is somewhere else or maybe they're purely consultant or maybe they're you know like doing what you're doing writing a book that kind of thing and and sometimes it's nice to be surrounded by other living human beings who maybe aren't your family and who you don't know intimately, uh, but it, it it recreates a social aspect that human beings had for, for most of the time that we were alive as a species. And there's something nice about that, but there, there are other people who do that almost as a way to procrastinate. They do that to, you know, get my stuff done. Do you remember that, that uh, little cartoon that, that – kind of made its way around the internet oh, a couple yeah. of years ago yeah 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 totally and and it's you know the guy he needs a different pencil to get his stuff done and then he has to do this and, and every every single thing leads to yeah, something else turtles all the way down yeah and there's there's that aspect to it but there's also i, I remember years and years and years ago i'm talking like eight ten plus years ago when i would tell people that you know what do you do oh i do this where do you work oh, i work from home like oh i could never work from home i would just you know i would just find things to do i would just watch tv and you know i would watch oprah and you know what and like this was their this was their concern about working from home like they were too undisciplined like the instant that that they would be relied upon to actually govern their own time and and complete projects without being under the thumb of a boss in a mm-hmm. corporate environment that everything would just fall apart and instantly they would oh it's you know I just watch Oprah now I don't I, I don't get anything done like what does that say about you as a person I'm not talking about the social aspect of wanting to be out and about uh, and right. and being a, around other human beings and not be isolated. I'm talking about people who have totally lack the ability to prioritize their own stuff to get their stuff done. Well, I'm not persuaded that's really a priority problem. Uh, It could be, but I mean, just specifically to that example, gosh, there's a lot of angles. Well, first of all, I think what they're probably really saying is, I don't want to be out of the loop. Um, inside, inside those companies where it's okay to say you have 27 priorities, boy, and if I was a manager, I would want to go have, spend, spend a little time with that person and talk about how they're, <laughs> how they're making decisions if they think they have 27 time for 27 of anything. Yeah. But, uh, and I don't mean to beat up on that person, but even if you, if you say you've got five priorities, well, again, in my model, well, what are 25 things you didn't do? Like start writing those down, start keeping a log of all the stuff you're not doing, start keeping a maybe log, you know, but uh, I think what that person's really saying, it's not so different from somebody going, um, what, uh, r- you know, run five miles? I couldn't run five miles. Or, you know, walk on a tightrope? I could never walk on a tightrope. Well, that's because they never really tried. And maybe the one time they tried, they failed. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think if you work in that environment that encourages all that, uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be reductive. It's not, it's not nice to say that. Um, but I just feel like I go into offices and I'm like, I don't know how you guys get anything done in here. It's terrible. I, I, I just don't. I mean, and it's, it's, that's, this is one of the endless ironies, one of the endless paradoxes, if you like, about, about all this stuff. Is that there's all these people wandering around talking about priorities but not doing it. There's all these people walking around talking about all these things that are so important to do 
Um, they're talking about how they got to cut resources, but they got time to have meetings six hours a day. Well, again, if I was a manager, I, this is probably why I'm not a manager, but if I was a manager and I saw 36 hours of meetings on somebody's calendar, and then I saw that for 10 people, I would say, well, you know, one really good way that we could probably get a lot more done is figuring out how to spend less time in meetings because that has a built-in multiplic- multiplicative, you know, uh, quality to it. What's the word I'm looking for, Dan? It's got a... Uh, Oh shoot! What's that word? It's, 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 it, it's. You can't have. You don't have that many meetings with one person, right? That 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 person probably needs to be put away somewhere. Yeah. If you have meetings, they probably have two to ten people, two to eight, two to twenty, however many people in them, and like all those people are in that meeting. They're not doing other stuff. Um, I guess I'm just saying it's not on the bigger pattern here. Is 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 not prioritization problems. The bigger problem is uh, an inability to look at reality and then call it that. And this is why I find it so frustrating. It's why we started the show, Dan. It's like that yelling argument, the yelling match where I told that vice president he was acting like a girl at 2 yeah. in the morning. Yeah. yeah. That, um, it's a good story. Uh, that was just because I was like, I can't stand this anymore. I can't stand you saying one thing and doing something else and then expecting me to be the messenger for it. It's like, that doesn't work for me. And if I did, if I were in an office like that, I mean, I, I would find a way in an office because I'd have to. I'd have to find a way to do that. But like, I couldn't work somewhere where you had to do that. And, and so to your point, to, ask, to your question about like, there is an angle of prioritization to what you're describing, though. Um, for myself, you know, for a long time, I did fiddle around a lot when I didn't have. Well, I fid- I've always fiddled around a lot. It's. I think part of the job is if you're really good at it, maybe find a job where you fiddle around more. <laughs> or you know, I mean, that's whatever. Fine from Roland. But I mean, you know, if you're if if you're uh, working in, in like a Korean missile silo, well, you really need to be on your game. You know what I mean? You're probably not going to get to play a lot of. Um, well, I guess you could play some Tetris. But uh, don't play Missile Command. That's weird. But but you know you do you know what I'm saying? Like if you're if you're if your personality is that maybe that person is very happy being in that environment yeah. and being fed that um, not being fed but being steeped in a culture that makes sense to them, right? So like like Dan, like you and me, you talk about when you do the fresh books things, how you hate doing um, invoicing. I hate invoicing too. I'm 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 this is just one example of cultural collides like this where to me like I not to talk about money stuff, but like, I just, I won't work with people that do net 90 and not because I think they're awful. I won't work with people who do net 45. I'm like, look, I am a one guy operation and here's how I, how you have to do this. And if we can't do that, then that's cool. But like, I don't want to find out six months from now that you couldn't do the thing you thought you were going to do because you're fighting the system. And, and the people who hire me are always fighting the system. They're fighting the system by bringing me in, but then they're fighting the system because as much as they want me to do this thing, now I have to go argue with AP for, you know, three months for the cost of like, you know, them getting their business cards for a day. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, I am at a point now where like, I, I can't afford to spend the time to even argue with you about that. I mean, that's that our first call is going to be like really kind of uncomfortable questions about like how this is going to go because we're not going to have a second call if that's something, we're not going to have five calls about how that's going. We're not going to have a call about like, oh, no, but no, we're making progress with this. Okay, so for me, and this is why I'm this crazy guy out here in California, because to me, being in an environment where you have to go find a rabbi and accounts payable to spend a very modest amount of money on something is completely bananas. I can't work in that environment. The famous Jeff Veen quote from that conversation, he felt like he spent so much of his time trying to get a seat at the table that he eventually went and made his own table. I think that's a fantastic (laughs) quote. Now, that person... I wonder how often that person you said, I mean, I wonder who you described it as a priority problem. I wonder how often they've really tried to go home and work on their own. 
Because you're right. It might be that they're really throwing their crutches away for the very first time and they're not sure what to do. Well, maybe home's not the perfect place to work from. We've talked about what that means in code when we say working from home. Um, I, I think as far as the trouble, t- t- trouble prioritizing, well, think about this. If you're in an environment where that, a priority means this thing that we all say is important, but we don't fund it and put a project manager on it, well, then why would you ever blow cycles on that? You know, I, I, again, I, I cannot imagine sitting in a meeting where you're having the same conversation about the same thing, nothing has moved forward, there's still, no, there's still no line item for it. There's still no owner for the project. There's still no deadline for the project. Mm-hmm. But people still keep talking about it like, like it's real. It's like Narnia. And you're like, so how's Narnia going? And they go, well, it's pretty good. We've decided Narnia is a very um, – well, actually, we had, a, we had a meeting with the stakeholders. Um, and that, that went pretty well. It took a week to schedule the meeting. Uh, we had some trouble. We had to get a PO in order to uh, get the conference call service because we want to get that one with the big screen, you know, so we could look like uh, we're all in the room <laughs> together in that really creepy way. And then we had the meeting about Narnia, and we all agreed that uh, it's a very impactful project. And at the end of the day, if we really drill down on this, we are going to discover that this is really, it's about stone soup, okay? It's really going to be what everybody can bring, and the water's free, okay? So, I think at the end of the day, we decided this is really a much higher priority task than any of us realized. So what we've done is we've gone ahead and we've pushed that up um, to our directors. And so what they're going to do is at the next uh, ropes course, they're going to talk about this. And uh, I think they're really they're going to try and open the kimono a little bit, you know, BU to BU. And... Uh, Six months later, <laughs> Narnia still does not exist. <sighs> never got a budget. It never got an owner. And God saved the skunk works person who went and just tried to slap together, like grab some, grab Django and went and tried to make their own little Narnia. Because God forbid if somebody found out they had not talked to Joni about that or they had not talked to, not talked to Mel. Because you got to talk to Mel before you do anything with Django. Okay, long, stupid story. Dude, this happens all the time. All the time. And it seems totally normal. Again, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I go into a company and people are are having these kinds of conversations. And then I I really do, I I sound sound like I have some kind of organic brain problem. You know what I imagine? I'm just imagining the standpoint of one of these corporate environments and they bring you in. And the, the, the picture that I have in my imagination is of the old Samsonite commercial when they would have the gorilla in there throwing the you know throwing around the suitcase trying to, to destroy it and and like it's in a special room and everybody's the scientists are sort of looking in watching it like that to me is what i feel like it must it's like for you when you get in one of these places it's like they almost bring you in there just at first they're saying we need you to help us with this and then you throw out uh some potential i don't know if i would use the word solutions but you, you help them look at their problems in a different way. And all of a sudden it, it transforms into that scenario where you're just in there banging around. They're like, wow, it, he's really cool to watch. And we're not getting the benefit of any of this. Does that happen? Yeah. And, it's, and, and do you know why? Do you know why he's doing that? Because they told him his check might be in there. <laughs> but when he finally got it open, you know, it was in there. The rest of the procurement forms. <laughs> Did you get a chance to fill out the rest of the procurement forms? Can you fax those? But you know what I'm talking about. Sure, like, I can fax them. Like, me, this is me... something, this is where the whole that's fine for Merlin thing started in the beginning is yeah. a lot of what you're saying, it, it's so foreign in that culture. 
Well, and okay, and like just in my own not my not defense, but pseudo defense is I the guy that you're <clears throat> hearing right now um, is is a guy on the show, and this is the guy I am in the show. And when I go in and try to talk to a company, I obviously I don't want to sound like a dumbass. I I do a lot of listening. And I try to find out who I should be listening to. Because a lot of times the people they want me to listen to are probably the person who's been talking too much already. And the person that has not been heard are the people who have a lot of great ideas and don't have any incentive to share them because they see what happens when you stick your head up out of the hole, right? And so the thing that, that's, to be honest, the thing that's gotten me so frustrated about trying to do this work at all is I've, I've really, I've had to really start asking myself whether I can help anybody. Because I'm really not a consultant. I'm not... I'm not like somebody who can come in and go, here's the chart. I mean, I, I'm really, I, it's something much more horrible than that. I'm, I'm somebody who comes in and goes, well, are you sure you're being honest? And boy, that's a really crummy thing to try and sell. It's, it's a, and I'm, I'm not even saying I'm great at it, but I'm just saying I'm trying. And when I go in there and I go into a meeting like that, I'm not going to say it in a way that, you know, in front of people, but afterward, I would just go like, do you have a lot of meetings like that? And they go, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> Where it wasn't, it wasn't even like, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it would be like me going like, were those clowns all really in the car? And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, of course, I mean, it's a car. I, and I, I, I've just try and really frame this. In some ways this goes back to the solving the right problem at the right level thing. Like I can't go in and change the world. And, and the, the thing that I, the thing that I try to do, not that this really matters, but these, these these problems are so complex and they involve so many people. Anytime you try to do anything that involves more than one person and you don't accept that logarithmic complexity, I mean, I'm not making this difficult just because it is fun and makes me money. I'm explaining that this is difficult because it is, right? And so you really have to ask yourself if you're solving that right problem because you can potentially spend a lot of time fixing a wrong problem and making having the, the right problem get worse and blowing resources and time, and, and maybe worst of all inside of a team, blowing your credibility in front of your team by, by, by clearly not seeing reality, you know, and by, by asking how we, uh, you know, get more budget for that tailor that made the emperor's nice clothes. That's what it really feels like to me. So my, my, my goal in a lot of ways, I've said before, my goal is to assume that people are smarter and care more than me. That keeps me on track. <clears throat> that keeps me from thinking that I'm like better or smarter than other people, which... I don't actually think that comes across that way. The guiding light for me is to go in and say, like, do you really, really think you're asking the right question right now? And if you are asking the right question, do you have the power and, and the scope and the buy-in and the whatever it is you need, the alignment you need to fix the problem you want to fix? And the sad story for me a lot of the time is that maybe I should have just come in and given email tips because – Maybe that's really all people have the ears to hear. I can't go in and say like, oh, corporate America should be different. And maybe it shouldn't matter, except that all of those people have lives. Everybody who spends those hours and hours and hours living inside a big brick building full of lies, that's hurting them. It's harming them. They're not only not doing good work, they're having to subsist on this diet of cognitive dissonance that I think is really harmful. Um, Because you're really forcing your brain. If you're a smart person and you're compelled to look at posters of a boat all day, like at a certain point, like what are you going to do? You're just going to give up. You know, you're going to be like Winston Smith and you're just going to learn how to be happy. I think, you know, and and that's the problem for me is when you go in and you meet one of these folks who are kind enough to bring me in, you know, it's usually somebody. It it could be, it could involve an acquisition. It could involve a change, but something's that wheel out of kilter that you talk about, Dan, right? This is, there's some kind of duca that just can't be overlooked anymore. 
And it's probably not a coincidence that a lot of times the people who bring me in, it's not like they get fired or something, but I think sometimes they realize they didn't really want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> they brought me in and they end up going, wow, you know, I don't really, I can't really change the problem that's real, let alone the problem I want to change. And so I feel sometimes like I leave them feeling sadder than when I arrive, which is, I don't know. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't, you know, finding out, finding out the truth is, is a real pain in the ass. Um, but if you really do care about your work, and this is maybe in some ways getting toward the crux of that, that's fine for Merlin problem. It's not a question of me saying I'm some master of this and you should go out and do careless stuff like me. I'm not saying that at all. Um, what I'm really saying is that you have to figure out which of these cognitive dissonances you can live with and be happy and feel whole. And if you're living with a cognitive dissonance where your solution to something not getting done is to make it redder, and, and I'm the dick for pointing out that that's not working, well, again, now we've got two problems, right? I'm just a guy on a podcast. What, I, what I'm saying with the priority stuff in particular, though, is that priority should have a meaning. It's a word like friend, where when we use it in a really careless and loose, where we allow it to like lose its, its fundamental um, meaning through some kind of abuse, it has more than a semantic effect. It has a semantic effect. Like friend on the internet now, like what, what does that even mean? Well, a friend is somebody like who picks you up at the airport. A friend is somebody who helps you move your stuff. Is a, a friend is somebody who like helps clean up the, uh, you know, when somebody in your family with Alzheimer's like throws up, they help you clean it up. That's what they do. They don't star you. A friend is somebody who really helps you and cares about your goodwill and your health. A priority isn't a thing you make red. It's a priority. A priority is a thing that you, you got to do because it's like who you are. That's what a priority is. If you're prioritizing through your day, what you're really saying is you're force ranking. You're saying, what should I do first? But the more salient question is like, what shouldn't I be doing today? Like what of all these things that I'm calling priorities, am I going to do any of these? Because a great way to show that one of those is a priority above all of the others by a long shot is to cut about half the priorities off your list and then not feel bad about it. Because now you're being honest. I mean, and now if you've got half the priorities you have before, ask yourself what you're going to do to really make those happen. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, mindfulness is the hack, but in some ways, honesty uh, is the hack too. We can, you know, we can lie to the neighbors, but we shouldn't lie to ourselves, you know? And, and your, yourself, your team, I don't know. I don't mean to be such a hippie about this, Dan. Say something. I don't think you're being a hippie at all. I think it, it's a refreshing perspective, and this should be played for every single person who has to work in the corporate world, just because uh, with something you mentioned before, the larger problem and somebody in the chat room, I, I saw it scroll by and I didn't, I didn't journal or diary who said it, mm. but it's, they said something like, well, the person who's at home, who's thinking that all they do is watch Oprah all day. That's the same kind of sentiment of the person in the office who realized that the larger problem is that they don't really want to work there. Oh, absolutely. Good. It's a great point. It's a great point. And you know, the other thing that person watching Oprah might be doing is, uh, well, probably not, but there may be some part of them that's thinking about, my God, I, uh, I should probably call my friend from college and find out if he could get me a job at this other place. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Like, press procrastination is your brain's way of trying to tell you something. This episode of Back to Work is brought to you by MailChimp. MailChimp also asked me to write a rock opera about Dan. Here's part three. Let's play a game, I'll help you. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs from the deadland. 
Mixing memory with desire, starring Dove Roots out of the spring rain. Winter kept us warm. It kept us warm. Covered in forgetful snow, living in a wasteland. Living in a wasteland. Come take a walk with me through hell. That was Go Through Hell, part three of Sometimes There's a Man, a rock opera about Dan Benjamin, commissioned by our friends at MailChimp. MailChimp, they sponsored this episode, and then they totally asked us to write a rock opera, because that's just how they roll. MailChimp. Do you think you're, would you, would you be a good employee today in 2011? No. Well, I could be in the short term. I mean, not in the long term. I can be, I can be super focused on projects. I yeah. really like, I like project work. But let's, let's make this a little bit practical and go back to one thing. Um, and I, I, I really, if, if you're a manager out there and you think this is BS, I would like to hear a little bit more about why this is BS. But I think anytime something is called a priority, well, first of all, I'm going to say this again. If it's really a priority, it's probably done. Otherwise, it's just a thing on your list. Okay. Now, maybe that's wrong. Okay, it's a priority. It's a long-term priority. Hey, it's part of our five-year plan. Okay, okay. Well, then what are you sacrificing to prove that that thing's a priority? Because a priority, remember, remember, priorities are like arms, right? If you've got five priorities, then that means, that means five equally important, more important than anything else things, right? Unique five pregnant ties. If they, something is really a priority, and I, I stand by this, yeah. very few, and you will discover this in the long run. Go ahead, mark my words, Circle this somewhere on one of your priorities. If you have a priority, if you have something on your list as, as a team or as a company or as in anything, yeah. if you have something on your list that you're calling a priority that keeps coming up in the meetings and it does not have the magic three things, if it does not have an owner, a single person who's responsible for getting it accomplished and em- empowered, if you like, to do it, they're probably already in trouble if they need empowerment, um, <laughs> a deadline, like a, like a, like a real-world deadline where something will happen if this doesn't happen, um, an owner, a deadline, and a budget. Like a real budget. Like it's getting money now and it's going to get this much money for this long. Now notice what I'm not saying. I'm not saying a plan, you know, to talk with Bob about whether we're going to get a budget. Well, maybe that's a priority, fine. But if that's, if that's the kind of thing that, that's like <laughs> the proof that your stuff is a priority, well, you've got a, le- you've got a level of administration in your work that I have trouble understanding. I'm talking about like if, if the stuff on, and, and I mean, this varies by your job. If you're literally in procurements, this is going to be a part of what you do is getting budgets for stuff. I'm just saying like if you're somebody who's on a development team or you're somebody who like, like a lot of our you know, listeners are nerds, um, if, if somebody keeps talking about something, but it hasn't gotten an owner yet, it hasn't gotten a budget yet, and it hasn't gotten a deadline yet, who's going to be the one with the stones to stand up and say, when are we going to actually do something for this? Because if there's no owner, there's no incentive for anybody 
to spend cycles on it. In fact, it's a huge indicator to a smart veteran person to steer the F clear of that project. Right. If a project does not have an owner, my God, it's crazy. That's like having a chainsaw on a tire swing. Like, why would you even go near that? Don't even go near that. It doesn't even, who would you even call about this thing? It's like this beautiful, special, high-priority jewel that we keep in a room, but we like don't, don't actually do anything about it. Like, who owns it? Budget. Is there a budget for that? Like, what's the budget? How much is it? Like, wh where is the money for that? How are we going to make this thing? Um, and, you know, the deadline thing, I don't know, but I think that, I think that makes a big difference. If it doesn't have a deadline, it might, you might as well talk about this forever. To quote my great poetry teacher, Mac Miller, there's no reason for this poem to, never, to ever end. It might as well just go on forever and ever. Well, if it doesn't have that date, and you know, think about this in your life too. This is the other thing. And this is where I get to the sacrifice thing. Because if you're not sacrificing for something that you're calling a priority, it's probably not a priority. You know, and, and, and I don't know. Uh, so priority, priority shouldn't be something that's easy to do or something that's Well, I mean, it could be. I mean, like, it's really easy for me to really uh, like my daughter a lot. It's not as easy to turn down some really cool offers to have drinks with people who are incredulous that I can't find an hour to hang out with them. Well, they think I'm a jerk um, because I'm not making time for them. And I don't like doing that. I don't like making them feel that way. They certainly don't have the time or the inclination to hear that it costs us $100 just to get out of the house for a sitter. <laughs> that, but also, I won't, get to watch, I won't get to watch Totoro tonight if I do that. And I really want to watch Totoro tonight. Like that's, so to get that good thing that I want, which is watching Totoro with this little kid, like I'm going to have to, it is a kind of sacrifice, I guess. Or like I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I can't sleep. I, uh, I can't take a nap. There's all kinds of things I can't do. Not, not in a bad way, but just in a real world way. Um, that's the classic, I guess, kind of example. You could also just think about it like if you're a little kid and you want to buy an Estes rocket. You want to, like, a, what was it, Big Bertha? What was the really big one with, like, the, uh, with the D engines? Like, if you want, oh, if you want to yeah, buy that. yeah, Big, Big Bertha. It was, was, was it, it usually e, painted. Was it D engine? It was black. It was black, It right? was painted black. And did that yeah. one have the little uh, tube in the top that you could put something in? Send it yeah, like a hamster. Yeah. 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 No, or if you was... lived in Florida, you would put one of the lizards in. Sure. Sure. Or like a city councilman. Those guys are little. It was big. Birth, you shave them. You shave and grease them up and put them right in the tube. Wow. Council Is that, that's like a modern day tarring and feathering. <laughs> like tarring and feathering seems really funny on the cartoons when you see yeah. it, but in real life no, it, was it was lethal bad. potentially or, or crippling. Yeah. And scarring. Yeah. And you basically, you didn't get to use your arms anymore after that. Yeah. It was bad for farmers. They would also put you on top of some kind of like uh, sharpened, pole and, and, and run you around the, the city. I read about torture one night on Wikipedia. Just that one night was plenty for oh, me. Oh, gosh. Terrible stuff. Yeah, the stick, stick around the city is no fun. They still do that in Lakeland, you know? Oh, that's the worst town. You don't pick up your trash at the Civic Center. So here's the thing. If you want an Estes rocket, that's going to cost you whatever, 20 bucks. That's 20 bucks worth of Pez you can't buy. That's 20 bucks uh, worth of Hustler you can't buy. That's 20 bucks worth of Figs you can't buy. It's 20 bucks worth of every single thing in the world that's not a Big Bertha rocket. Do you understand that? That that $20 for Big Bertha can't go to anything else. That's exactly how complicated this stuff is. The $20 in your wallet that goes to Big Bertha does not get to go to anything else. And that's exactly what this is. This isn't about kids. This isn't about projects. It's about sanity and clarity. And about, about saying that like, well, you know, if it's really high priority for me to buy this one thing, that means, you know what else, you know what I can't buy? Everything else in the world. So when you say that you have 27 big birthdays you want to buy, but you only got 20 bucks, well, you better find 
five hundred forty dollars. Is that right? What would that be? Twenty-seven times. You're 20. the math guy. Yeah, it's true. I am. I am. Pascal. Colin you're going to have to find a lot more money, or you're going to have to want fewer rockets. And until you get more money, wanting fewer rockets is not a bad idea. I just, you know, I, and 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 so back to that room with that lady. I don't know if this seems as bananas to you yet as, as it did to me that day, and and continues to seem bananas today. There's a million reasons that could have gone the way it did. It could be that she just wanted to shut me up. It could be that she wanted to show that she needed an assistant. It could be that she wanted to show that she was subtly telegraphing that she was going to quit to somebody that that would mean a lot you know, in terms of what she could get. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why you say that. But but if something's a priority, um, saying it's a priority is about the worst thing you can do to actually show that it's a priority. And this, this in some ways, you know, let's talk a little, just super quickly about the Covey thing because this is important. Yeah, if you, urgency. So the history, the super fast, here's a super fast, uh, incomplete history of uh, personal productivity. Uh, the industrial age came and they wanted to figure out how to make people make more stuff, right? It's one, one of the factors, there's this word called productivity. Like in America, we're one of those productive com- uh, countries in the world, which I think, which means that we can make people do a lot more stuff in an hour than other countries can do. Like if you can make more, as they say, widgets per hour, you, you're more productive. So if you work in a factory and, and it's your job to make tin cans, if you can make 50 tin cans an hour instead of five tin cans an hour, you're more productive. And there was actually a science that came out of this. Like if you ever saw that movie Cheaper by the Dozen, that old Clifton Webb movie, or the, there was this, there was this whole science that, that's based on this, this guy, was it Galbraith? Not Galbraith, what was his name? Somebody will tell me. But the point is, there was this whole industry that sprung up around. This trying- isn't that Richard Pryor uh, and uh, movie where he's dressed up like, uh, like the chicken. To- yeah, like the chicken with uh, what's his name? The guy who was in uh, Wilder. Frankenstein Wilder and the Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's also in uh, the producers with Zero Mostel. Yeah, in Box Zero. You mean Ma- Matthew Broderick? No, no, no. I think you're thinking of Ali Sheedy. She's the one with the teeth. Was she Matthew Broderick's girlfriend in named Sloan? Jonas? Was Jonas or Jonah? Then the Jonah, Hill, Jonah Hill's the one in that movie, right? But what was the kid with the password? Pencil? Matthew Broderick was pencil? SS Atari is mixed up in blind. Okay, okay. And that was the lady with the pencil in her hair in uh, Ferris Bueller. And she had a lot of things in there. I uh, introduced myself to Jeffrey Jones on, the, on, uh, on uh, Mission Street one day. Well, with your back, you shouldn't be throwing anybody. That's true. That's true. Pool, a pond. Pond would be good for you. <sighs> Two. Um, what was I talking about? Urgency. Covey. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you make more uh, tin cans and widgets, right? Don't try to make both. Seriously. Uh, that's a vertical integration, Rockefeller, whatnot. But uh, if you can make more of those, that's good. And so that was, that was efficiency for a long time. Um, and then, you know, it's funny. Like, I used to be, I've, you know, I've always been a nerd for things like office supplies and systems and all that stuff that became like the 43-folder stuff. Um, uh, I've always been in that. I used to buy old books about productivity. I used to buy old books about business processes, like those awesome books with those, you know, they used to make those wonderful illustrations, you know, of like, you know, offices and machines. And they just look cool. I would buy them for clip art in the, uh, in the 90s. But uh, and for a long time, it was about like, I have one that's about like how to keep that song I wrote for Bakery, that song Sundays in a Row. That line comes from a book called Your Health and Your Earning Potential. And, and for a long time, 20s, 30s, 40s, I think it was mostly about like how to be healthy for your employer. I think productivity for a long time was like don't become a burden. 
that one of the huge revolutions in this stuff, I think along, uh, I guess around the time of a lot of the kind of uh, hippie uh, human potential stuff, but in a much more businessy way, this guy Alan Lakin came up, he was the first person to, in my, to my knowledge, to introduce more than just productivity or efficiency. Uh. David Allen cites this guy as being super important. He wrote this book, I think, in 72 uh, called – I think I put it in show notes. You can go to the Alan Lakin link. But basically, he's the guy who, who is credited with uh, the phrase, what's the best use of my time right now? This is from oh, the early really? 70s. And that was, became a revolution because this is one of the first times that somebody said, hey, it's about more than widgets and cans. It's about really are you spending your time on the right kinds of things, doing things well? Enter this Stephen Covey character in his first things first. Yes, it's very sensible. He still drives me crazy. But he's the guy who introduced this notion of urgency versus importance. So he's like, yeah, there are things that are important, and then there are things that are urgent. He came up with this little quadrant. This is either going to be like Mandarin or overfamiliar to most of you. But it was a really interesting idea of saying like in these four quadrants that represent amount of urgency and amount of importance, most of us spend a huge amount of time um, working on urgent things. I think this is how it goes. Like I say, I listened to his book on double speed and I barely made it through. Oh. But, but, but the basic notion is that like really you might get a lot more out of things that are very important but not urgent. But they're going to always be sort of shouted down by all these, you know, things that are coming at you all the time. And, you know, say what you will. But I mean, seven, you could do, you could do worse in the self-help world than Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's not my favorite book in the world, but it's got a lot of really sound advice in it. Plus stuff about mission statements that, that makes my anus seize up. Now, along comes David Allen, and I think David Allen is the player here because he's the one who said, you know what? Actually, priority is one of four things that could factor what you decide to do. Um, and what does he call it? The four – I should go look in our own show notes. But basically, there's four factors that can go into this. I'm going to try and do this from memory. Um, deciding what you're going to do right this second is not just this thing where you can just pluck stuff out of the air. Even in knowledge work, I mean, unless you really can just have a pencil and paper all the time to do your work, you have to look at things like – Context, where am I right now? What tools are available? What kinds of things, opportunities do I have and not have right now? Um, how much time do I have right now? Well, you know, uh, why would I start a, an, a task that I know will take 25 minutes if I'm between meetings for one minute? Ha ha, that sure is silly. Think about it. How mm. many times have you gotten frustrated because you've cut your tasks into 10-minute tasks, but you never get more than two minutes? <laughs> well, that's not the task's fault. Make smaller tasks or get a different project. Sorry, it's reality. Uh, so, yes, context. Time available. Uh, crazy one, energy available. Do I have a lot of energy right now? Am I feeling creative? Am I feeling uncreative? As he says, you know, there's a great time to sharpen pencils. You know, you got to sharpen pencils. Uh, if, if you're at the end of the day and you're feeling kind of not that into it, we'll learn what those cycles are for you. Like when you have energy, do the high energy things. And fourth, fourth, <laughs> fourth of four is priority. With all those other things in mind, like what will give you the most bang for the buck right now? That is a very in-the-moment tactical way to think about priority that I think is totally sane. But what does it do? Well, it puts priority into this, sorry, in context, in perspective with all these other factors. Again, like if it's the highest priority thing in the world, if you can't do it right now, like if you really want to make a phone call but you don't have your phone, it doesn't matter how high priority is, right? If your priority is to um, get ready for that uh, marathon that you're committed to running, but it's four in the morning and you're exhausted, it's probably not a great, great time to go running. You, you can figure out all your own examples of this. But I think that is a hell of an evolution that happened pretty quickly. Going from it's all about efficiency, go make more widgets, getting into, well, am I making the right kind of widgets, to, hmm, 
I sure am making a lot of these widgets <laughs> or I'm spending a lot of time focusing on these widgets that are actually not all that, uh, um, not making me all that much money. Maybe I should be not thinking about widgets. Maybe I should be thinking about tin cans now to this day. But you see, you see that this is an evolution. Um, my, I would, I'm not about to put myself in the same league with any of these guys, but if I had one thing to add to all of those, it would be care. And it would be, it would be what you care about. It would be, uh, that a priority doesn't matter at all if you don't really care about it. It's really hard to make something a high priority if you just don't care about it. And if something's on your list for a really long time or something's on your radar screen or, or something's stuck in your dream catcher and like you're wondering why it isn't done yet and your answer is to go, I need to make it higher priority, the better question might really be, well, if this was that important, then why, why isn't it already done? And back to that example from a really, really, really long time ago, at the risk of invoking Covey nerds' uh, anger, when my kid falls down, I don't grab a to-do list. I don't prioritize my to-do list when my kid falls down. Hey, new input. I better process my to-do list. Well, yeah, that's about urgency, but it's really, really about importance. But more than all of that, it's about care. Because I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I really don't want her to be hurt. I don't, not every single thing I do every day is about trying to keep her well. Some of it is about, you know, getting a haircut today. Or, or, you know, going and mailing a letter. But to me, if you're using priority, in, if you think about the continuum of priority over here, meaning why I'm on the planet, and over there, meaning what should I do before lunch, you can figure out whatever that word means to you as long as it aligns with how you're actually spending your time and what you really care about. And if you've got the big list of all those red letter things, let's get to the personal non-team component of this. If you've got that big list of stuff that's all priorities, you've got to really ask yourself, what's the one you care most about? Or what's the one you have to care most about? Or, or put differently, like, which ones of these should you care more about but don't? Because really only a couple of them are allowed to be priorities, I think. Um, and I think if you're having any long-term problems with wondering why, why you're, the ball's not moving as much as you would like, I think it, it helps to say maybe I'm either not caring enough about stuff or I'm caring about the wrong things. And there's a pretty good chance I'm not sacrificing enough for the right things. And sacrifice doesn't have to mean like your last crust of bread to a little boy or something. It could just, it could just mean it's, you're going to have to sacrifice security for a little while to have a job that you really like. Or it could mean that you're going to have to sacrifice free time to work on this novel you theoretically want to write. It could mean any of those things. But the single biggest troubleshooting for priority, whether it's corporate, team, personal, whatever, the single biggest piece of troubleshooting I can offer is to ask yourself, if it is a high priority, what have we sacrificed today to prove that? Over. It's good stuff, man. Uh, it's too long. It's you too should, long. You should write a book about this kind of thing. Uh, it's another bad one. 1225. Now there, it's, is it 125 there? 225 here. 225? 220, yeah. 225? Whatever it takes. Um, we did not get to the nerds' comments. And I, I want to talk about that. All right. I don't know. We're long, aren't we? We're pretty long. Hey, you know what? There's, let me go look. Jim will cut this out. Because there were a couple I, uh, I thought were particularly great. Do you think this would be useful? Yeah. Is this good for the show? Or is yeah. this, is this, is this uh, it's great. No, it's great. Mm-hmm. That was a weird one. Best know, one yet. Jesus. You want to keep this in or you want to cut this out? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I like know. keeping it. I'll keep it. Keep it in? Yeah. Oh. Okay. When I'll be on. You know, I ran out of Mountain Dew. Mm. I don't know gluten's in it, does it? Sugar. Sugar's not gluten, though, right? No. Sugar's 
bad, but not as bad as gluten. Mm. Do you guys get gluten at Costco, or where do you get that? Uh, unfortunately, you get it in almost everything. Mm. Hmm. What about self-righteousness? Does that have gluten in it? <laughs> what about certainty? You get any, is there any gluten in certainty? Mm-hmm. You ever watch Totoro? No. Mm. What is that? Should this it's be really the cool. after dark? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let me see what else is on my list. Why don't we just, why don't we wrap it up here? This could be the yeah, after Yeah, I know. I know. Let me go look. Let me see what it says. I feel bad though. So here's what I said. So a lot of things they're actually doing, care about. Did we get any, did we get any useful stuff in? Should we get more useful stuff in? I thought this was really useful. Oh God, I'm so f- angry right now. <sighs> you know what I do? I'm, I got a picture of Adam here. I'm just going to look at this. It's what I do about five minutes after the show starts till the end. Mm. Sometimes if my wife has to go in the middle of the night to uh, help our daughter, I'll pull out my picture of Adam just for a minute. Just for a minute. I got a little one. I got a little one and a big one. I put them next to each other. I make them talk to each other. Oh, God, his voice. Am I button this up? Yes. I love you. Love you too.